everybody. Happy Tuesday. It's Two Lock Sports. It's 2021. Happy New Year to everybody out there. We are going to do a little bit of a uh, free picks and pivots breakdown for you guys today. Break in the new year. Talk a little bit about some big things going on at Wind Daily Sports. And most importantly, let's break down this site. It's a five-gamer, and it is a good one. So, I want to reach out first and foremost, congratulate, a huge congratulations to our very own draft master Flex last night, who turned three dollars, three dollars, not one, not two, but three dollars into one hundred thousand dollars, taking down the clutch shot on FanDuel, four hundred and nine FanDuel points, monster score. Three bucks into a hundred grand. Guys. To every single GPP player, you start out going after these. I'm going to throw in the couple bucks and hope I win big. Our boy Draftmaster Flex, one of our PGA experts here, played this last night using the content and the tools at Wind Daily Sports to take this down. And if you look at the lineup, what I thought was really interesting, just to do a quick kind of look back at it, was on FanDuel, it was really balanced. Um, and we've talked about this a lot kind of to start the season where – DraftKings has been very stars and scrubs focused, um, and it's it's been a really successful approach there. But on FanDuel, um, you know, it's really been these balanced builds. And when you look at last night, you know what Flex was able to do, um, you know, and, and you kind of look at the builds. There was some what I what I really wanted to point out was there was two mini stack correlations in here uh, at the heart of his build. Um, he had Brogdon, Bledsoe, and Brandon Ingram. Uh, and what really stands out there, obviously, is that game went to overtime. So it's one of the benefits we talk about all the time, stacking or mini stacking games in tournaments, because when you end up, um, you know, when you end up having a game that goes off like that, you maximize your upside. Now, conversely, when games blow out and you game stack them, you see yourself way at the bottom of tournaments and it's happened to me. It's happened to, uh, you know, I'm sure it's happened to you guys so far this season where you game stack a spot or you build a core around a mini game stack. And if that game blows out, unfortunately you're left for dead. Um, but when it works, it works and it pays off in a big way. It's one of the most consistent GPP strategies and flex used it here using Brogdon, using um, using Ingram, and using Bledsoe in a 2v1 mini game stack in a game that went in overtime. The other place that he did there with a little 2v1 was he used RJ Barrett and he used Julius Randle running it back with Capella for the Knicks and the Hawks. It was a core we talked about yesterday in picks and pivots. We were all about it all day yesterday. Um, that game being kind of the best game uh, in our minds to build around. Uh, and that, that, you know, this build really worked. And you kind of, you know, you look at how, the build works and we're, you know, we're going to talk more with flex through the week. Um, but it was funny listening to him talk in discord. You kind of saw in real time how he came to this build. Um, you, know, you had two, two V one stacks, but then you look at the one-offs, right? You look at Aaron Gordon. We talked about that game yesterday with the magic with Fournier being out. Um, that was a team that was playing a really condensed rotation. Aaron Gordon's price wasn't reflective yet of his role. So he was a play we talked about yesterday. Van Fleet wasn't somebody we were on early. However, when we saw the news that Marcus Smart was out, you saw everybody start immediately talking up, not just obviously the value on Boston, and that was with Pritchard. He popped in the models. He was all over our models yesterday as one of the top values. And right away, we you know you see here, there's another little mini correlation to flex use. Pritchard ran it back with Van Fleet. Um, 
Correlation, correlation, correlation. You guys are going to hear us talk about it all the time. If you don't understand what it means, this lineup is the perfect illustration of correlation. There's two 2v1 mini game stacks and then a 1v1 with Pritchard and Van Fleet, which is a fantastic build. A win daily tip of the cap, my man, flex three bucks into $100,000. So how do we do that tonight? Let's dig in, my friends. So we got five games this evening on this slate, and they start at 7.30. So you guys get another 30 minutes of uh, stinker-tinker time tonight. And, uh, you know, you can act like you're uh, you're not staring at your lineups at 6.30. Uh, I know my wife hates when I do that. So uh, now it'll just happen between 7 and 7.30. So you've got five games tonight. And I think, what's, you know, if you just look at the slate, we don't have a ton of injury news necessarily. Um, I think the one... Yeah, piece of news really that we know that we have to wait on is LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, you know, LeBron's questionable, literally LeBron's been questionable every game and plays. So I'm not going to worry about that. Um, you know, we might get some surprise news. We always do. Uh, it's the NBA, but you know, I'm not going to try and speculate on what that could be. But if you look at how the games are spread out from a time perspective, um, you know, they're really spread out. So you've got, you know, obviously Utah and Brooklyn starts at 730, but you know, that Chicago Portland game isn't until 1030. So you've got a wide spread uh, of games tonight that you can look at. Um, and it makes it interesting because if you, you know, if you front load or back load your lineups, depending on how things go, you can, you know, use late swap or not, or, or, you know, if you think that the first, the beginning of the slate is really where you want your games to be. Um, you know, you can front load it and just ignore the back end. So I want to talk a little bit about kind of how I'm approaching this slate. And I think, you know, if we go in here and I'm going to bring up our projections, this is the, the first place I go to every day. Now, listen, this projections are constantly updating. They were last updated a little less than an hour ago. As we get closer to lock, they're constantly running in the background. We get this question a lot in discord. When are they updating? When are they updating? Um, they run in the back end every 10 to 15 minutes and refresh. In Discord, you will get a notification when our projections have been updated. It will actually even tell you which players have uh, have changed and the percentage value up or down. So like yesterday, as a perfect example, was when Cleveland finally ruled out Darius Garland. We saw guys like Sexton's projections and stuff pop. But what really changed was you saw all of a sudden Damian Dotson went from being somebody that nobody was talking about. He was the number one value on our slate, projected for over 7x value, and he did exactly that. And that small pivot at the end, where all day people were on guys like DeLon Wright, and I see Jacob in the chat talking about it. Wright, Wright, Wright was terrible. We should have went with Dodson. I did. Um, I know a lot of other people did too. Uh, that was one of those things where the model at the right before lock, 10, 15 minutes before lock, refreshed he shot up to the top became a really strong pivot off of delon wright's chalk um so you know it's it's uh it's definitely been a really good way you know for me to use our tools here um to kind of help either fill in lineups or give me an indication of how i want to start um so brandon and carmen awesome stuff here carmen i recognize that picture i know you signed up with us yesterday uh, you started up on this free trial uh, in our Discord uh, and converted over and became a gold member. So love to see it. Uh, welcome to the family. It's the place to be. Right now, we're, we're just crushing. And I love to see every day uh, the screenshots and just the comments. You know, not everybody not everybody is going to win 100K every night, although we will try. Uh, maybe tonight will be my night. Uh, but, you know, it's you go through and, and you see kind of every day how people are getting better and better. And, guys, the season just started. So, uh, big things coming. So anyway, let's jump back into this slate. 
when I looked at this slate, what really kind of stood out to me was one game in particular, and we'll flip back here and go into Utah and to Brooklyn. And what stood out to me and was, you know, obviously the big news was that Kevin Durant being out. And I talked about this in picks and pivots today. You know, this is a very simple formula, guys. Um, I, I, I'm not trying to oversimplify the slate, but the NBA is one of the most pre- predictable uh, data sets that we can work with if you're analytical. When one big star is out, the usage trickles down and has a massive implication on the rest of the team. We see it time and time again. In these two-star teams like Brooklyn is with Durant and Irving, when one guy goes out, everybody else ticks up, right? So I was really interested because we knew this news yesterday, right? We got this news yesterday even before the Monday slate locked. So I was interested to see what DK was going to do with the pricing. And I'm just going to be honest, they didn't do enough. Um, I, you know, I, Sorry, as my, as my dog is barking. Um, so, you know, I don't think that they did enough, very honestly. Um, so when I look at, when I look at Brooklyn, you know, Kyrie at 9-3 is just ridiculously underpriced. Ridiculously underpriced. Um, Karis LeVert, same thing. And we talked about this a little bit in my article today. But, you know, Brooklyn has been really good at staggering their stars uh, with Kyrie and Durant. Now, you think what you're, you're going to see tonight is Kyrie and LeVert are going to stagger. Um, and they're going to run the offense. And I think you can play them both together as a result because the pricing is not high enough to where I think you have to really, um, it, where you really have to pick one or the other. I think you can get both. Um, they both have ceilings at this price point. And, you know, when I looked at this, you know, this build, right. And I looked at Kyrie and Levert first off, right. The pricing I felt like was just a tick too cheap. And you looked at the Utah side and the two guys that really jumped out to me again, go bear. And you look at Mitchell. Guys, this was the core I talked about. Look at what you have remaining from a price perspective. You have 4.7K per player for the other four guys in your build. And this is where, when I look at the projections, right? Now, this is obviously early, right? We don't necessarily have huge point per dollar. You don't have the Dotsons. You don't have the DeLon Wrights. You know, those kinds of guys today, uh, Sadiq Bay, like those guys aren't popping early. Now, we might get those guys later. But I think what that's telling me is, at least initially, we don't have a ton of punt value, which means going stars and scrubs tonight might not necessarily be the best path. You don't have two to three punt plays at first glance that can really make that work. Um, now, I think there are punt plays that can work. So, you know, you see it right here in the model, right? One of the best values, at least early, is... Uh, TLC from Brooklyn, and I'm never going to write out his name, so I'm always just going to call him TL- TLC. But you saw this in some of the earlier games. Um, you know, he's obviously already been starting, right? So bring him up real quick. He's already been starting ever since Dinwiddie went down, and that really happened here in in, in the Memphis game when you started to see his upticks. Now, the last the uh, the two games against Atlanta. Um, the minutes were there, but there was just no production, right? I mean, he shot the ball five and seven times, you know, didn't even crack double-digit fantasy points. But I think tonight's a different monster, right? You've seen his price stay low. And, you know, any time where you take a guy like Durant, 35% usage off the floor. Now, Kyrie's going to see a big bump. We know that. Um, But 
somebody like TLC playing on the wing, he's going to get more shot attempts. So don't look at the games against Atlanta or even against Washington. Against Washington, he played well. But don't necessarily use those games as an indication of what his role is because in those games, Durant was there. So that 15, 20 shot attempts that Kevin Durant was taking, guess who wasn't taking those? TLC. So when you take Durant off the floor, that usage is going to trickle down, and you're going to obviously go to guys like Kyrie and Levert first. But don't forget about these fringe guys. Um, you know, I talked about Joe Harris is a similar play. I think Harris is more of a cash game play um, than he is necessarily for GPPs. But you know, this is the kind of mindset that you go into um, when you're looking at this game. Um, so I just want I wanted to kind of bring this up to you guys first to show you. My, my gut instinct is there's not going to be a ton of value. Now, listen, guys, if the news changes, it just changes everything. But again, that's why this projections page becomes massive. Because if all of a sudden you have a path where there is stars and scrubs, um, you know, and you can jam in a couple 3K guys, you know, and I'm just, just for the sake of pricing, I'm not saying I'm using these guys, but let's just say, for example, that you got a couple 3K guys. I mean, you'd have a 9K, you'd have another stud that you can fit in alongside Kyrie, Levert, Gobert, and Mitchell. Obviously, I was just clicking names. Um, but you know, right now, it doesn't look necessarily like we have multiple 3K plays. I mentioned on Brooklyn TLC already, and I did mention Torian Prince, <clears throat> who will likely start. Um, but we might not necessarily have to go down um, that low. And so, you know, take a look at what the slate dictates. The other thing that I want to bring up is if you just look, if you go to our NBA odds page, <clears throat> So if you bring up the odds page here, and this is a great kind of first step to get just a general feeling of what the, the slate will look like, what it tells you is that there's a lot of blowout risk. You have 9, 11, 8, and nearly 10-point spreads in all of these games. So you know, Utah and Brooklyn being the one game that looks like, least like right now is that it's the tightest spread. Um, you know, there's a lot of merit into just stacking that game. Um, I do worry. I'll be honest. I don't like playing um, blowout risk necessarily, but I think on five game slates and in tournaments, when we talk about this all the time of taking a stand, you know, you have to look at these games. Listen, are the Lakers a great target? Sure. I love LeBron. Sure. I love Anthony Davis. He's under 10 K on DraftKings. I think he could smash, but like, I just, I don't know that I see Memphis hanging with them. I just don't. And so do I want to pay the premium for LeBron and AD? So maybe that's where I take my stand, right? If you look at the Clippers and the Spurs, if LaMarcus Aldridge ends up not playing, I mean, is a fully healthy Clippers team really going to be bothered by the Spurs? I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure that I want to pay the premium for Kawhi um, or for Paul George. You know, same, I mean, Chicago and Portland is a great fantasy game environment um, and makes for a really interesting game stack in the sense that you've got, you know, high usage and high ceiling guys like Dame and like Levine, but, and you've also got some value there because with Chicago having so many injuries, but that game could blow out too. Um, so, you know, I think you have to look at it and just, and we talk about this all the time, but have your lineups tell stories. And I think tonight having them tell stories is really important. The one game that I didn't touch on here at the blowout risk was Denver and Minnesota. And I want to bring up, cause this game just happened. Guys, I love the tools here at Win Daily Sports. I love them. We have, I would put our tools, I would put our content, and I would put our experts up against anybody else's in the industry. I love what we do, and our price point is a fraction of what these other sites cost. 
doesn't necessarily mean everything that's good from an NBA DFS research perspective is behind a paywall. Um, and I want to, I've talked about this site before in discord, but if you guys have not checked it out before, check out popcornmachine.net. It's an incredibly good free resource, super simple. It lists all the games and it gives you game flow. So you find the game and I want to bring up. So if you bring up the Denver and Minnesota game, right, which is the last game, click on game flow. I already have it up here. So this is one of those games where I wanted to look at because, you know, the the ending score was that Denver won by 15. But then when you looked, it was like, all right, Joker played his full minutes and Jamal Murray played his full minutes. So, you know, I wanted to get an idea of the game flow. And what I found really interesting was for a game that realistically, and you can kind of see, you know, it started in the fourth quarter, um, you know, and the game was close, uh, you know, basically tied. And all of a sudden you see how the Nuggets took off. But what was interesting was from a rotation perspective, and you can see here, it was the fourth quarter. Joker played essentially the whole fourth quarter. They actually brought Jamal Murray back in six minutes left into the game when they were already up. Um, But they were really closing that game with the second unit. Um, So you didn't see guys like Millsap, Barton, and Harris. So the reason I bring this up is tonight this game has an 11-point spread. It just played and was a 15-point game. So... You might look at it and think blowout risk for Joker. You might think blowout risk for Jamal Murray. But what's interesting is that this would tell you that they actually got their run in the fourth quarter. Um, So, you know, it's always easy to just look at a spread and then cross off a guy. But I do think, you know, in this case, it's interesting because the game just happened. This is a great resource, guys. I talk about it all the time, but I would highly recommend going out uh, and bookmarking uh, popcornmachine.net because it's a great way to get a free look into some of the game flows and you can get kind of a next level view uh, into these games. So going back into tonight's slate. So there's a couple questions here. Timothy, Gobert has been really disappointing though. He has. Um, I'm not going to lie and tell you that that is not the case. However, um, if you look at his games against the Nets, his last two games against the Nets, and I talked about this in my article, he went for 56 and 46 uh, DraftKings points, something. I might be off one or two on either way. But about 50 DK points per game against the Nets. The Nets' interior has just not been very good. Um, you know, you're seeing already DeAndre Jordan is getting slowly phased out. Um, he's played minimal minutes the last two games. And so that now puts Jared Allen on Gobert. And while I like the talent of Jared Allen, the problem with him is he gets handsy and he struggles sometimes with opposing bigs. If they're going to, if you can get Gobert in there on the inside and now he gets, um, you know, Allen in foul trouble. I mean, this is a matchup that he, he absolutely smashed. Go back and look at the game logs from the last two times that he played them. Um, he crushed them. So, yes, he has been disappointing, but I think the price is indicative of that slow start. And so you're getting a guy, you know, who has 50-point upside um, and he's sub-8K. And I think the same thing goes for Donovan Mitchell. How many, how many players in a game stack is too much? That's a great question. Um, so it's funny because I think you can take it a couple different ways. Um it, it, it does depend. Um, you know, if you look at what Flex did last night, he didn't fully game stack. He did too many game stacks. And um, that's typically kind of like the preferred approach. You know, if, if uh, let's use Brooklyn and, and Utah as an example. So this to me is the ideal strategy for a game stack there. It's like kind of that 2v2 mentality. Um, part of why I say, you know, Carmen, why I say that it depends is that, 
it really is going to depend on who you're putting around them, right? Because you want players who correlate well. And I talked about this in my article today, but so for those of you guys who might have read it, um, sorry if I'm, I'm regurgitating some of it, but this is a good question and it leads into it. So now, if you wanted to stack other pieces of Utah, and I would have absolutely no problem doing that, what you have to look at is who do you have already and who works alongside of them, right? Now, Donovan Mitchell, how does Donovan Mitchell hit his ceiling? Donovan Mitchell hits his ceiling through scoring. Now, he's going to get his, his peripheral stats because he, he does that, right? He's going to get you rebounds and assists. But where he's really going to hit his ceiling games is when he's hitting his shots, when he's taking 20 to 25 shots and hitting them. He has not been hitting them to start the season, hence why the price is so low. But now, if somebody like Mitchell isn't hitting their shots, you know, now you look at kind of the other pieces on Utah, and I brought up Bogdanovich as a, as a potential kind of third man in. Look at his games, right? He is not a guy who's going to get you peripherals. He's not getting rebounds. He's not getting assists. He's not getting blocks and steals. So his path to fantasy relevance is through scoring. So while you could look at somebody like him and say, yeah, he's a great kind of mid-range play in a game stack, he's actually not, in my opinion, if you're playing Donovan Mitchell. So again, it depends. If Mitchell is the guy that I'm anchoring to, I don't want scoring dependent um, players that share the court with Mitchell. Now, I bring that up because there is a guy that uh, that is scoring dependent that you could use alongside him, and that's Jordan Clarkson. Now, Jordan Clarkson, much like we talked about in Brooklyn, you get the staggered usage between Kyrie and Levert. Same kind of concept here. Jordan Clarkson is going to run the second unit, so you can get some of that staggered usage Clarkson's going to be very scoring dependent. That's how he gets his big games. And he's still cheap um, for a guy that's getting as much usage and shot attempts as he is. But I, I think he, I would rather use somebody like him alongside Mitchell than somebody like Bogdanovich um, as an example. So, you know, Carmen, I know there's not like a tried and true. Um, I think, you know, you saw Flex use the 2v1. I think for me personally tonight, this 2v2 is where I would start. Um and then really after that, it kind of depends. Like for Utah, I don't know that I necessarily – I like Conley and I like Bogdanovich. But, you know, you look at somebody like Conley, and this is where you have to think, are you putting too many guys in and capping your upside? Look at Conley's big games where he's put up 50. He scored 33 points. You know, this was against the Clippers. He shot the ball 20 times, you know, and put up 33 points. So, sure, he's got 50-point upside, but – this was the game against the Clippers. Now, just do me a favor and you click on Donovan Mitchell as an example, okay, against the Clippers. He only shot the ball 14 times, had a massive four game, 26 DK points. So, like, while you could argue you can play them both and game stack it, you then you're just almost hoping that just everybody goes nuts because, frankly, I don't know that they work together. Um, on the Brooklyn side, though, I think this is where, you know, Carmen, to your question, how many players can I put in? Brooklyn is where I think you could put more, and Brooklyn is more um, because of the value. Um, and Gary, I see your question. For, would you not it? So I don't think that you know the Brooklyn side of this. I think you can put in guys like TLC and like Prince, just because of the value, right? These are two guys that, from a combined perspective, are going to cost you seven thousand dollars on DraftKings, right? So now, in order to quote unquote hit value. You're talking about five to six X. You're talking 35 to 42 fantasy points between the two of them. And I think that's a really logical outcome um, with upside, obviously, for more with how TLC is capable of playing. But the difference here is, you know, you can play these guys alongside Kyrie and Levert, understanding that, you know, Kyrie and Levert are the ones you want to get all the actual real life points and all the shot attempts. 
TLC and Prince are actually good correlation because they're so cheap alongside of them. They don't need to have you know a 30, 40 point game to pay off their ceiling. If they get you 20 to 25 points, they've smashed um, and they've got the minutes passed. So long-winded answer, Carmen, saying it depends, but you can see how you know a game stack really depends on kind of who you're using at the core and then who correlates well um, around them. Does the strategy work for FanDuel or for a different approach? FanDuel, the strategy does work. I think the tricky part with FanDuel is that, you know, obviously you have much more position, um, uh, a rigid position uh, constructs on FanDuel than you do on DraftKings. DraftKings has a lot more of the multi-position eligibility. You get the utility spot so you can play, you know, two centers and things like that. So like tonight, as an example, um, you know, where I really like, you know, Kyrie, I think you can play Mike Conley alongside, but there, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you might end up the, the positioning, you know, I've seen a couple people put uh, lineups into discord today as, as an idea around this game. And what you see is the positions don't necessarily match up perfectly. Um, and sometimes that happens and you end up having to make a decision of, you know, where you want to go. Um, so the strategy for FanDuel, it makes sense and it does tend to, you know, kind of uh, transfer site to site with the exception of um, the positions being a little bit different um, and a little bit more rigid on FanDuel. You just might not have that same flexibility. So, you know, tonight, guys, I think the way that I want to approach this slate and I brought this up and actually I, I put this in my article today, actually exactly kind of how I have it on the screen was this game to me is the one where I think you can game stack it and you still have so much flexibility here. You know, if you put in this core, um, you know, using the value on Brooklyn uh, and, you know, having Kyrie, Levert, Gobert, and Mitchell as your core, you, know, you still have 6K per player. So there's a lot to really like. Um, so Gary, you really want six from one game. Why not? Um, you know, don't, don't look at this as six players because this is really what you're building around, these four guys, right? And if you think this is the game that number one has all the concentrated usage, and I do, um, and I also think it is the game that likely stays the closest. Um, to me, this is the foursome that you're building around. So while, yeah, sure, you might look at it and go, man, I don't know that I want six from this game. Well, you know, you're talking about Prince and TLC, who right now, by the way, are two of the best value plays on the board. We don't have, you know, a ton of 3K plays on the slate yet. So if these are the best values on the board, I'm not going to... You know, I'm not going to avoid them just because it puts a lot of Brooklyn players in my lineup. Um, there's a reason that they're going to pop in the model. Because Durant and Dinwid- Dinwiddie are out, all that usage is going to go to them. So I have no problem taking this stand in one game from a GPP perspective. Like, this is what we talked about. Listen, if this game does blow out, um, you know, then... I don't know, you know, then if this game doesn't stay closer, you know, it doesn't do what you're hoping by game stacking, you know, you're dead in the water. Let's just be honest. But that's the line in the sand you have to take when you're playing tournaments. Um, Alvin asks, do you care about player correlations? Yes. Um, I've talked about it kind of this whole show. Um, Player correlations are huge. Um, You know, you don't want to play two guys from the same team that essentially get there the same way. You don't want to necessarily have, um, you know, you don't want to have guys who, um, 
are can only have one path. Like I don't want to play Bogdanovich tonight if I'm playing Mitchell. If I'm not playing Mitchell, then I would play Bogdanovich because I think that's where the scoring could come from. You could fade Mitchell as an example, and then you could use, um, you know, you could fade Mitchell as an example, uh, and instead, you know, you could use Bogdanovich and you can use Conley. So, a um, couple different ways that you can go about that. I'm tired of loading the first game and getting passed by the late night hammer. Sure. I don't care about stuff like that. I see people talk about that all the time. I don't usually, I don't really care about when games start or end other than um, if there's news and we need to wait from a late swap perspective. I do like putting some of my spots, um, especially uh, the guard forward and uh, utility spots, backloading them with games later in the night so that I have the most flexibility if we're waiting on news. Now, if tonight, if we know everything going in, there's no need to do that. But, you know, let's say, for example, we get some news and all of a sudden, you know, these back end games, the 9, 10, 10, 30 games have news we don't know. It might make sense to keep your guard forward utility slots open, um, you know, in the hopes that, you know, you get some clarity and you can make some changes later. So, guys, I hope that this was helpful. Uh, it's nice. You know, I'm, I'm glad that we had so many people kind of in and joining the show. Uh, make sure you head on over to Win Daily Sports. Please come and check us out. We have a seven-day uh, free trial on Discord. Uh, come and check us out. Talk to the experts in our chat. We have cash game players. We have GPP players. We have DK focus guys, FanDuel focus guys. And that's just for NBA. Um, you know, you can come in right now. We've got a special going on uh, for our sports betting package, just 21 bucks for the first two months. Um, use the promo code WIN2021 at checkout. Hop in and grab that. Um, come and check us out, guys. We're gonna, we got a 100K winner last night. Let's go back to back. Thanks for checking us out. We'll see you at the top of the leaderboards tonight, my friends. Peace.